Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Midweek at the Compass. My name is Jake. I'm our online pastor here. And we have just wrapped up our sermon series of David, the making of a king. And as we like to do, we're going to give a little bit of a recap of some of the things maybe that you've experienced over the course of this series, maybe some of the things you missed, and then some behind-the-scenes discussions of what more can we actually be talking about that we were able to pack into this eight-week series. So because of the content that we're going to be going through today, I am honored to be joined by our senior pastor, Jeff Griffin, who's going to just give us so many wonderful nuggets and insights of all things, David, that you're really, you're lucky to be here is what it comes down to. Oh, boy. <laughs> there, there will be nuggets, whether they're wonderful or not. I don't know. All right. We'll, see, well but... that's completely fair. So Jeff, yeah. honestly, thank Thank you for once again taking the time mm. to do this. And I just want to start kind of maybe high level. We just spent eight weeks talking about David. Yeah. Is there anything that you want to make sure that you start with from there? Yeah. You know, I, I think as I have been moved by David's example, I keep going back to week one of the series. If you recall, David's uh, called a man after God's own heart. And God's always looking for people who've got hearts that are right. And Jake, I know you and I both want a heart that God finds like David's. And Absolutely. You all want a heart like that. And, you know, the good news is we can. One of the things I just am marked by is that David, though he had a heart for God, heart like God's, he, he also was very human. You know, David's imperfections are kind of legendary. And In a way, I'm glad that he's got both a heart after God's, but also the flaws, because it gives hope for flawed people like us. Oh, 100%. Yes, I am in that category. You know, he'd almost be inaccessible if he were perfect in every way. And so I, I look at David, and I'm just deeply moved by his example of humanity, but just longing to seek God and reflect God to his world. Yeah, so maybe let's continue on that train of thought a little bit. So this sermon series was just about the early years of David. And I feel like a lot of times when people think of David and his humanity and frailty and sin issues, um, we think of after he's already become king when it's, you know, with Bathsheba and that whole story. So I'm wondering, Why did we kind of only look at the first chunk of David's life as opposed to maybe the totality of the story of David? Yeah. Uh, uh, (laughs) Because we don't do real well with really long series. (laughs) It's very practical. In fact, uh, Ryan Worsley at the Naperville campus when he was hosting this weekend, he said... uh, what did he say? Finally, we're done with this series. I'm like, finally? It was an eight-week series, and I imagine there's another eight-week series that will focus on David uh, as a king. But 16-week series, I've never done one that long. And uh, we just see a benefit sometimes in studying a, a certain section of Scripture and then maybe flipping to the New Testament and mixing it up a bit. So we'll get to it. I I promise. There's a promise. We'll get back to David part two when he's a king. Okay. So I'm just going to be in full disclosure. I remember 
early on in your tenure here at the Compass Church where you did the Apex series oh, all about Mount Sinai. <laughs> uh, but the reason I remember it probably isn't the best reason. I remember you making a, a comment at one point where one of your daughters looked at you and it's like, Dad, that series was way too long. Way too long. I think it was like 11 weeks. 11 or 12, somewhere yeah, right around yeah. there. Uh, it might be the longest one I think you've it done. It definitely yeah. was. And I won't do that again. You know? <laughs> I may make a mistake, but I learned from my mistakes. So that's right. Well, there you go. So this David series, it was a character study mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of ways. And that is a little bit different maybe than the sermon series that we just wrapped up with before that of Side by Side, where we yeah. were just kind of looking at the early chapters of the book of Acts and focusing specifically in on group life. So I'm wondering if you can kind of put those two against each other. So when we're doing like a character study like this, what are the things that you're hoping are going to resonate or people are going to take away as opposed to one where we're doing just a dedicated thing about group life at church? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you'll probably notice this, but I'll point it out. And that is that a lot of times I'm looking for a series to be focused on a singular portion of scripture, like the early chapters of Acts. And I want a series to be time uh, topically linked as well. And so I really like Side by Side because it had both scriptural link as well as thematic link. But there are times where, in the case of David, we're going to link a uh, series to a certain portion of Scripture, and we're not going to see it tie thematically in every way. And so we were taking lessons from David's life in all different directions. And and I'm okay with that. If I were to point to a unifying theme, it was simply this, David's heart. Hmm. We We were asking the question, Lord, why did this guy resonate with you so much that you called him a man after your own heart? And uh, sure enough, David served as an example for us in many different ways of how we too should live. Yeah. So one of the things that I found fascinating, you actually brought up in our all staff meeting for just a couple of weeks ago here, you were talking specifically about authority. Mm. Um, One, I loved that conversation of the weekend message but you had a totally different angle where you could have gone with authority that you were sharing with us. I was wondering if you could unpack a little bit of maybe the behind the scenes or what was left on the cutting room floor for this series. Yeah, yeah, the cutting room floor. That's one of the hard parts of preaching is that I have, in my study time, got so much good stuff and not enough time to share it. So inevitably, I have to make the difficult decision about what I'm not going to say. Well, in what you're referring to, Jake, the, the, the focus of David as he related to Saul the king was his posture of submission and respect to earthly human authority. And I talked a bit in the message about how that's important because it'll help us relate to God as king or Jesus as Lord, you know, the authority there. And it's actually that submission to the Lord as authority that really resonates in my heart. And I've been striving these days to view every day, every minute as a moment where I want to be submitted to God. Uh, 24-7 obedience. One of the great things about that is it just transforms otherwise dull tasks into worship. Hmm. Like, for example, this podcast. I don't really want to be here, but Jake <laughs> begged me to, and so I do it in submission to the Lord. You it's, know, that's a true be, statement. No, it's not a true <laughs> statement. But I would give an example like fo- folding laundry or 
doing the dishes or driving your kid to school. Sometimes there are these tasks that we're like, oh, you're kidding me. But here, pause and ask this question. Lord, do you want me to be doing this right now? And, you know, God does want us to care for our family and for our health and do these otherwise mundane tasks. And when we do them out of obedience for the Lord, we say, God, okay, if you want it, I'm doing it for you. And meaning is infused into it. It becomes worship to the Lord. You feel his smile as you're folding laundry. Yeah, it's the Brother Lawrence scenario, yes, right? Yes, it's all, I, right. I don't want to wash dishes, let alone for 20 or 30 years yeah. or whatever it was. But if I'm going to be doing it, I'm going to be spending time with the Lord and asking what he wants to teach me and show me through yeah. it. Doing it with him and doing it for him. Absolutely. Yeah, good yeah so you were saying as a, just a personal life example for you that you were praying recently of, Lord, be with me as I am going grocery shopping. <laughs> yes. I'm wondering if you could say a little bit of that story as well. Yeah. One of the other benefits of living a life where it's 24-7 obedience is that you're always thinking, Lord, am I doing what you want me to do? And I was going grocery shopping and I had that on my mind. Lord, I want to buy what you want me to buy. You know, as I'm in front of the ice cream uh, (laughs) freezer, you know, Lord, how much sweets do you want me to buy? He wanted you to buy the cookies and cream, you right? Think so? Yeah, sure. Oh, okay, yeah, I thought so too, yeah. But one of them that was a little bit of a surprise to me is I was passing the floral section, and I just felt in my heart God say, buy your wife some flowers. Nice. Yeah, truthfully, I don't do it very often. In fact, when I brought them home, Jen's like, what's up? Who died? Are these a sermon prop? Why did you buy these? <laughs> I'm like, what? Can't a husband buy his wife flowers? And she's like, technically, but it doesn't happen much in this marriage. But Probably because I'm not listening to the Lord enough. And she was very touched by that gesture of love. And I don't know that I would have been as sensitive to the Spirit's prompting if I wasn't focusing on every moment saying, Lord, I want to do what you want me to do. Yeah. So another thing that was fascinating to me about this series is just the large number of things that had to and we got to weave in to our weekend services. The two main ones that I'm thinking of is our Rise Up reveal and then also having Three Rivers Church joining us for a sermon series. Uh, That was just kind of fascinating how those things were not added on but built into this sermon series. So I'm wondering when something like Rise Up happens, did you know that it was going to fall on the week of David and Goliath? Was that happy coincidence? Um, And then even just beyond that, is there more or any final thoughts that you want to share just on the rise up conclusion and totality here? Yeah, yeah. I appreciate you bringing it up because sometimes we have these huge victories in our church life and we can just move on, you know, into the next thing and fail to really appreciate the goodness of God expressed in that moment. Hmm. And boy, rise up was one of them. Uh, You know, here's what happened. So we were laying out the series long, long ago. And then when we realized that we needed a rise up announcement as to what the total giving was, quite honestly, it fell on the David and Goliath week. And early on, though, I recognized, oh, that's perfect. That will work really well. In fact, originally I was thinking, let's have the announcement at the beginning of the message. Yeah. And then I'm like, no, it's, it fits so well. It can be the conclusion of the message. So that was really fun. Yeah. yeah. 
And the thing I would just challenge us to reflect on is that God has been good to the Compass Church. His goodness is on display in our lives individually and in our lives corporately. And don't miss out. The goodness of God is all around us, and we need to see it, thank him, love him for what he's done. And what was it, $11.2 million? Yeah, just blown away. Oh, my goodness. I remember when we first launched into that. I had never been a part of a campaign of that size before, and I was, uh, to be frank, I was nervous. I'm like, I, I, I. $10 million, is there any way, you know? And then when the pandemic hit, I really thought, we're dead, we're dead. But it happened more than what we were shooting for. And I just have been dancing, thanking God for this historic victory in our church history. Yeah. So the other end of it was also just that we had a completely new church joining us for an eight-week series. Yeah. Three Rivers Church down on the south end of Plainfield. I'm wondering if you could maybe just even give a little bit of detail of how that ultimately came about to where they were joining us for this season of exploration of a potential reunification here. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was uh, so fun. Uh, so here's, here's how it works. Um, when folks' churches are thinking of processing their present crisis or moment of seeking direction, they can hear, well, we could become a campus of the Compass Church. It's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to experience it. Yeah. And so when we merged with the Wheaton Free Church or with a new song in Bolingbrook, became our Bolingbrook campus, we did this strategy in both of those cases where we invited them to join us for a series We'll actually, we, pro- we provided some worship leading for them, some upfront stage leadership, and obviously the teaching. And through those means, as well as meeting a bunch of people from our church, they're getting to know the Compass Church better, and it helps them uh, process, is this the right move for us? Hmm. You know, one thing that was interesting, when it turned out that they were going to be a part of our Rise Up celebration and announcement, it felt a little weird. Yeah. Because it's, it's like our family party celebrating, and here you got guests at your family party. But then it dawned on us, you know, one of the things we're trying to show them is that multi-site, every campus matters, and that it's not just about our campus. It's about we're committed to each other. And what better expression of commitment to each other than the Rise Up? Yeah. I forget the exact stats, but uh, the vast majority of the giving to Rise Up came from those who aren't a part of the South Naperville campus, showing that it's not about what I can get. They're they're my brothers and sisters. They're part of my church, and so I'm going to bless them even if I personally don't enjoy the new facility, though I would tell you. We're, we're in the new facility right now, so you're enjoying it. You should come and check it out if you have. Yeah, in person, do it. Uh, but, I mean, it just goes to show the unity, right? There, mm. were, there were themes of unity, generosity, and legacy throughout. And yeah. Just showing in a very concrete and tangible way that we are one church 
that just happens to meet scattered throughout the western suburbs of Chicago. Yeah. It was, I, I thought it was a great thing to be able to experience uh, because I was actually at Three Rivers that weekend. I was the stage host that oh, weekend. Oh, you were? I was. Yeah. I got to shoot off the confetti cannon. Oh, fantastic. Uh, people were a little surprised the first go round. So the second service, I had to walk up onto the stage to shoot it off. Yeah. Uh, probably was better to go that yeah. way. But uh, Hey, let's talk about the confetti cannon for a moment. Yeah, let's do it. Share with them about your medical condition. <laughs> So I don't know if any of you have ever seen these confetti cannons or shot them off. So uh, you can go back to week three of our sermon series. Jeff was in this space and shot off a confetti cannon, but it's a larger tube that you use two hands. You twist the top and bottom at the same time and it shoots off. But the thing about it is, is it shoots off almost like a gunshot. <laughs> it is. <laughs> so first service, it was the, the 930 service and everything went according to plan. Um, I didn't walk up on stage. I just kind of crouched at the front and shot it off and everything worked perfectly fine except for people had a mild panic attack with the li- <laughs> loud noise. Second service, I walked up on the stage, but instead of holding it out in front of me, I had it a little bit to the side of me. So as I twisted it off, all of a sudden, boom, and I had ringing in my ear, and that ringing didn't go away for over 24 hours. Yeah. I actually, I, I was a little worried that I, <laughs> I did some permanent damage, uh, more so than playing in a punk rock band in high school and all of that, uh, to my hearing. But luckily, the ringing has more or less gone away. So it was funny. We were in a meeting together, and Jake's like, you know, I got a ringing from that confetti cannon. And in that moment, I thought, I've had this weird thing in my ear ever since that weekend too. And so. We're suffering for Jesus, huh? That's right. Yeah, right. So I'm wondering, <laughs> maybe you could share a little of your experience with the confetti cannon. Yeah, that, that was a lot of fun. Uh, one of the things that cracked me up, as you mentioned, they were harder to twist. And so we, we had folks struggle at times. And uh, one of the people who struggled passed it off to my son. I was at the 1115 at the Naperville campus, and as I go to do it, my son Jake walks up, and he's got one, and I'm like, oh boy, Jake (laughs) is not exactly shy. He loves attention, and not only did he shoot off the cannon, but he ran on stage, and he grabbed confetti and started stuffing it down my shirt as part of his celebration, which everybody got a kick out of except me. Uh, I think he, if you look closely at the social media post as well, I think he threw the cannon oh, towards yeah, he, your direction he, he as did well. That so, yeah, uh, carried away. It, I, I, it was humanizing, it was fun and funny, and you handled it very well. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so, with all that said, David is, in the words of Ryan Worsley, finally over. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I'm wondering, maybe you could tell us a little bit of what's coming next. Yeah. Yeah, I'm real excited about the new series. Uh, You know, one of the things I like to do is uh, go back and forth, Old Testament, New Testament, Old Testament. So we were in the Old Testament. Now we're going to be looking at in the New Testament in a series called, Who Do You Think You Are? It's about our identity in Christ. You see, when we become Christians, not only do we get a promise of heaven, not only do we get forgiveness of sin, we have our very identity revolutionized. We are no longer the same people in a number of ways. And so it's a six-week series where we're going to be looking at six different aspects to our new identity, 
when we become believers. Awesome. And I feel like every time you say, who do you think you are, it's got to be done with just all the sass in the <laughs> yeah. world, right? Who do you think you are? Can't you just imagine your parents saying that to you? Uh, I heard that so <laughs> much growing up. So that's two weeks out, but I'm wondering if you could also maybe just give a little tease of what's coming up this coming weekend. I feel like there's kind of a large event that maybe we've just missed a little bit here. Yeah, what, what, what is it, huh? Yeah, we, we pastors are pretty excited about Easter. Yeah, Easter. You know, Easter this year is uh, not falling on spring break, which it often does. Yeah. And so with the pandemic, you know, winding down and just looks like it's going to be a fantastic opportunity for folks to bring friends who are far from God. And so we're anticipating a lot of uh, guests coming and we're going to be talking about story, how the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the climax of the greatest story ever lived. And we're going to be talking about our story and how our otherwise dull story can be made beautiful and dynamic when we splice our life into Christ's story. So I'm really excited about Easter. Yeah, we got to shoot at some very fun locations as well. Yes. So I don't want to spoil too much. You should check us out on Easter Sunday in person or online. There are going to be so many service options for you. At any point in time, just go to thecompass.net slash Easter. You're going to find all of the service times, a bunch of invite resources and tools for you to use there as well. But even before Easter is our Good Friday services. Mm. So I want to just mm. maybe be the one to give the tease there because each of our campus pastors is going to be talking about the concept of innocent. And are we innocent? And we're looking at the life a little bit of a story of Pilate and his wife. But each of us campus pastors are probably going to be taking a slightly different spin on it. So at our in-person services, we are going to have a cross-kneeling experience that if you've never been a part of, is just exceptionally powerful. And if you're joining us online, we're going to conclude our service by doing just a little bit of a Lectio Divina exercise. So if you've never done that or you're just curious about what does that even mean? You're going to want to make sure to check out our online services for Good Friday and be able to experience that as well. Yeah, fantastic. Jeff, I'd love to toss it your way just to see if you have any closing thoughts or anything else you'd love to say about, you know, any stories that you heard or just anything else about our David series. Can I make a uh, Good Friday warning? Definitely. You know, when it comes to Good Friday, as we approach the cross, there is the centrality of confession of sin. That's such a big part of that. And I find myself messing up in ways the week before Good Friday that always give me more than enough to write as I confess sin. So be careful. Uh, it just seems that, <laughs> you know, you can mess up big time on Good Friday. So uh, wouldn't it be nice if we really were struggling to find something to write down? I doubt that'll be the case, but uh, don't don't mess up too too badly on the week of Holy Week. That's right. Well, I mean, you'll be nailing your sin to the cross in a symbolic moment. Yeah. Uh, it would just be nice if it was hard to think about what that yeah, sin is, right? Be, that's not not something that comes to mind immediately from yeah. five minutes before you walked yeah, in the building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to do this again. It takes so much fun. Awesome. So thank you all for joining us. I want to let you know just briefly here, we are going to take one week off just to be able to enjoy and celebrate our Easter services together. But we will be back after our first week of our sermon series, Who Do You Think You Are? And I'm going to be joined by Jana Dukes because as we're talking about identity, Jana is our worship leader at our Wheaton campus. But did you know she's also an author? 
and an author of a book that's all about identity. Ready to learn more? You're going to want to make sure to join us in two weeks from now here at Midweek at the Compass. 